Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. My buddy Matt Perino, who joins us from New York Upstate. And Matt, good morning to you, my friend. Thank you for joining me on this gloomy, drooby Saturday, whatever we got going on. Rain, we're close, though. We're pretty close to golfing, I feel like, man. Well, I I don't want to rub anything in, but I'm uh, actually waking up in the desert this morning, okay. Phoenix, Arizona. It's a it's a beautiful day. It's going to be perfect too. Not too hot, not too cold. About 68 high of, sunny. Uh, we got the NFL's own, owners meetings next week. Well, really Sunday and Monday, and uh, I got some family out here. So uh, why not take it a couple extra days, right? <sighs> I didn't know that. Apologies. I wasn't going to mention it. But, you but I, I served it up. I mean, that's yeah. it seems like a this is an on me thing. So uh, I'll take it. Uh, I'll accept it, and I'll move on from it. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I just saw a, somebody tweet out, you know, like, oh, the the Pagula jet in the air going to Phoenix. Wonder what that means. This owners meetings this week it happened on a Monday. So I mean, that that that's a pretty easy explanation. But I, I do think it probably helps the Bills that uh, the timing of these owners meetings, um, considering it sounds like they're at least from the Jeremy Fowler reports. Um, I'm not sure who would be giving Jeremy Fowler information that they need to get off of their asking price, but I would guess it's not the Cardinals. Right. And, um, you know, the Hopkins thing is interesting from the perspective of, like, who is the player? Like, this isn't the Stefan Diggs trade from three years ago where you're talking about a, a guy that's just coming into the height of his powers, right? DeAndre Hopkins is a is a different animal altogether. And he's, he's better than Brandon Cooks. I mean, if you're talking about who you want to trade for, uh, I'd, I'd much rather add DeAndre Hopkins into my offense. But there is probably a little trepidation for the, the team that's trading for him. Like, all right, if we give up too much here and, and the game does fall off a cliff to a degree or you know, look a little bit different next year, you probably don't want to be on the hook for too much from right. an asset perspective. So, yeah, it's going to be fun to watch. And, and, and for fans that, you know – constantly uh tweet about like oh do you think this could you know the bills possibly are in the mix on this of course the bills are always in the mix on all of these things now that's how brandon bean operates he if, if a good player becomes available he not only probably has a conversation about it mm. in that moment he's probably had conversations going back months like von miller he was tracking him down for like two years before it you know finally came to fruition and free agency uh same thing with Diggs. he he called on Diggs well before he traded on him. So I'm, I have no doubt that the Bills are, are in on this. It's just about can they make all of the pieces of it work. And if I'm Brandon Bean, I'm sitting back on my hands with Arizona and saying, hey, you take the wheel, man. Like, I don't have to rush to this. We've, we've made the kind of moves that we needed to to bolster our receiver room. 
this could take things to the next level, but I'm not going to be held up in a deal where I have to give up more than I want to. Yeah, and I think part of this, and, and I forgive me for using this overused word because we've heard it, I don't know, for the past three weeks during this Aaron Rodgers, I don't even know what, what you call it, but leverage, right? This word that keeps getting thrown around. No one can seem to agree who actually has leverage between the Jets and the Packers. I would say that the Cardinals don't have a lot of leverage because they know they have to trade him. DeAndre Hopkins wants to be traded, and there's not a long laundry list of teams lining up because the destination started, I, I think, you know, there was a lot of smoke between Dallas and Arizona and Dallas wanting DeAndre Hopkins, and I think that they realized that Arizona wasn't moving off their asking price. They wanted too much, and they moved on to the next guy that they could get for much, much cheaper. Um it was a little bit younger, too. So I think, like, if it's musical chairs, there's there's not too many chairs left here, Matt. And I, I sort of equated this to what we've seen from first-time general managers here in Buffalo, like in the Jack Eichel trade, right? Like, if you're Kevin Adams, this is your first move taking over the franchise. You want to make sure that you look good and you, get the, and you maximize your return. The problem is, is Jack Eichel was 20-something years old with – Yes, I mean, concerns about a long-term neck injury, but I think all in all, you're a first-time general manager, and I get it, but I think if you're, like, like if you're sitting here in your Monty Osenfort, like, you got to also understand where your leverage stands, and I just don't think there's much leverage in Arizona. Like, you know, Jeremy Fowler's talking about the Christian McCaffrey trade package, wants a two and more. I don't think they're going to get a two, much less two and more. No, and I think, like, if you if you want to sell me on this ultimately landing on maybe, like, a third, like, by itself, and, you know, maybe in some type of crazy world, you know, moving, like, a player like Ed Oliver in the deal just because you've decided that you don't want to pay him. Oh, by the way, I don't think the bills are there yet. And I also would make the argument on the Ed Oliver trade front. I mean, it's something we've been having a conversation. And it's healthy to do these exercises over the course of the offseason. Like, it's funny. Sometimes you mention – like a trade idea, right? Like, uh, like Ed Oliver and everybody's like, Oh, like, you know, Perino or Paccio, they want to, or Gary, they, they, they want the bill to trade at uh, Ed Oliver. It's not necessarily that it's just, let's talk through what this looks like, why a deal would ultimately come into existence and if it makes sense or not. And for me, I think through those exercises, I've arrived at the place where unless it, it makes total sense with what you're doing in a deal with getting, what, what you get in return. I'm not trading at Oliver going into a contract year. I think you're going to get the best version, the best season out of that player this year. And it's arguably, Nate, the most important year, right? right? Like right. Josh Allen's almost 27. Like this is, he's going to be six years in the league now. This is, you know, this is really the window that, you know, you've been, you've been building up to. And, and taking that Oliver out of the mix, unless you have a, you know, a backup plan, uh, I like Calais Campbell. I like that idea, but I don't know if he's going to replicate what Ed Oliver's done consistently wise at his age. Now, I will say, you go look at Campbell's numbers last year. It's amazing how well that guy's still playing at his age. But in terms of the trade, you just do what you think you have to do to give this offense enough weapons. And you look around the league, this is another point I want to make. DJ Chark, he signs with the Panthers. Yep. Uh, you look at Nelson Aguilar signing with the Ravens. Like some of the teams that might have been the mix here, they're just they're moving on off one by one. Right. And so now, if you're Arizona, what do you do? You don't have a lot of 
you know, seats at the table that are filled at this point. The Bills might be the last one to dinner. They might be staying for some coffee. Yeah, and, and that's kind of my thought as well. And that's why I think you lose leverage the longer you wait. Um, and I also think the longer you wait, I think it's sort of a signal that they are asking for too much. And if you're Brandon Bean, you should not overpay. Because, and listen, I mean, I, I think that goes without saying, but what DeAndre Hopkins represents by going to get, and, and listen, I, I'm totally with you on the Ed Oliver front, by the way, because the, the same thing that I think DeAndre Hopkins represents is getting better and and really, I think, stuffing a position that is not necessarily a weakness. They've added Sherfield and they've added Hardy, two nice pieces. But let's be honest here. This is a game-breaking top 10 wide receiver in the league. Ed Oliver isn't that at his position, but it does open a giant hole on that defensive line. And to your point, like, I don't, I'm not sitting here telling you I want them to trade Ed Oliver, but I think it makes sense, you know? And, and I think if it makes sense, then you should explore the conversations of how that works. Now, do I think it makes sense to trade him to Arizona? Is that going to help the value of this trade? Maybe. Um, I'm not sure if they're interested in a guy like Ed Oliver. So, yeah, I don't know, Matt. For me, like, I keep thinking about this and what DeAndre Hopkins means, and I would much rather have get DeAndre Hopkins on a team that still has Ed Oliver. 100%. And, you know, I saw um, a mock draft from NFL Network, uh, Chad Reuter. He does a really good job, but I, I think he missed the mark on this one. He, he had the Bills trading up to 20 in a four-round mock yesterday, I think, for um, that defensive tackle, I can't remember his name, that's getting comped to Ed Oliver. And I get it. Oh, like, the kid like from we, Pitt? Yeah. Oh, like, no. I, I, yeah. Oh, no. That's like the perfect reaction. Listen, I get like the idea behind that because it's interesting, right? But you're not going to trade up at that spot and then, I don't want to say make the same mistake, but you know, go after a position that just doesn't have that kind of value at that part in the draft. It's important, right? Like, replacing Ed Oliver is important. I get that part of it. But we saw the Super Bowl, Nate, right? We saw what Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes did on the biggest stage against two defenses that I would argue are both really, really good. And yeah. guess what? It didn't matter. So you go out, you go get weapons any way you can. You figure it out. You know, you want Ed Oliver, I think, in the mix at this point because – He's motivated. Obviously, he's, you know, you're seeing his Instagram story. Like, he's, yeah. he's starting to think about that contract. And I think you're going to get the same thing you got with Edmonds this last year, a motivated guy trying to get paid. Yeah, and, you know, I think for me too, Matt, like, Clay is Campbell, right? I, I don't think that's a replacement for Ed Oliver. Per personally, I also don't know that how good of a fit he is. I think at this point in his career, he's really more of a – defensive end five technique in a three, four defense, not really a three tech in a three, in a four, three. So I'm not sure that there's a, a true scheme fit. Would it be nice if you still have that Oliver? I, like, yeah, I think that'd be a nice piece. Hit five and a half sacks last year. So like he's six time pro bowler. This is, this is a guy and a multi, he's got multiple all pros under his belt too. Like he's a legitimate player. And, and I think it would be, would signify a really nice depth piece for this defensive line, which I know they need, but, yeah, that, that Pittsburgh defensive tackle, I, you, we're, we're talking about going more sub-300 defensive linemen. Like, I don't know, man. I, like, I was listening to um, Tasker and Chris Brown talk about this yesterday. In the NFL, to play in the, in, inside the defensive tackle, you got to be a 300, 3, 305, 310, 315, 320 guy because it's – it's nasty in there, man. And, like, these guards in the NFL, they're big, they're athletic. And when you're at Oliver, you see 
He struggles against those double teams because of his size. It's not because he's not good. He just gets overpowered at times, and that's why the presence of Daquan Jones is so important because he sort of takes that double team away from Ed Oliver and frees him up. I agree, though, with your point, Matt, which is you're in a contract year. You're probably getting the best football Ed Oliver has ever played this year, and do you want to move on right when maybe you're going to get your best return on investment, even though you might not have you know interest in signing him long-term? Yeah, I think the – if you look at what the Bills did last year, I think in a perfect world, they'd love to roll things back with Jordan Phillips and just, you know, hope that you can rely on the guy to stay healthy. But we've just learned at this point in his career because of how big he is and how much weight he carries. I mean, for that guy to play at 330, I mean, something's bound to happen. I mean, if it wasn't the hamstring, it would ended up being the shoulder. And it's just, I don't know if his body can hold up. I mean, he is, like, if he is your third defensive tackle, on a, on a team that has like a Von Miller and a lot of young pass rushers, I really like that that dynamic. And I also think that, you know, there's a lot of people that wanted the Bills to cut Tim Settle. I was actually more in the restructure yeah. camp because I think that there's a little bit more untapped potential and maybe just fitting into this thing um, a little bit differently. Year two with Eric Washington uh, in this group, there was a lot of excitement around him when they first signed him. So I like what they have in the mix. And I think, to your point, Campbell – he is the guy that you bring in that you want to kind of mentor the interior guys along with Daquan Jones and then also provide a little bit of that boost. But to your point, if he can't do what you need him to do, I mean, they, they need a guy that could come in here. This goes back to the other point of this all, Nate, and this is an overarching theme to this offseason for me. I mean, we talked about it on our podcast week in and week out. The problem for Ed Oliver for me and why maybe he hasn't taken the – strides that you've needed him to take is the problem that they've had with several of their prospects Cody Ford most notably the lack of a plan for the guy when they drafted yeah. him how many times have we watched Ed Oliver being asked undersized in the NFL when you told everybody when you drafted him you wanted him to be a disruptor yeah. and a court <laughs> like attack the quarterback and he's taking on double teams and eating up space and you're asking him to play one technique just because you can do something doesn't mean it's to be done. Yeah. That's not really what you drafted him to be, but the Bills have been in a situation. Obviously, the Starlet Tulele thing impacted that. They couldn't have planned for that. But I think you have to have a vision for a player and then put them in the best position to have success. And guess what? If the player is not having success, there's a part of that that's on the organization for not adapting to that player's skill set. Like, I still think to this day, if you drafted Cody Ford, figure out where he's best and figure out what he does best put him out there and just try to support him and see what happens. Now, who knows? Maybe there's more to the Cody Ford thing. Maybe they did that and it just never materialized. But we saw what happened with Kyrie Elam last year, and it's just continuing this conversation. And it's a dangerous situation they're getting into. This is this draft has taken on a completely different complexion because of, you know, how there has not been a lot of impact players the last couple of years. Yeah, and uh, well, first of all, Matt Prado here on the Wester Hotline. Of course, he's the Bills beat reporter for Syracuse.com. You can hear him and his co-host Ryan Talbot on the Shout podcast, and uh, we're talking some Bills uh, def- defense, and obviously at Oliver and some of every- and, and and some of the pieces on the defensive side and Hopkins. One of the things I actually wanted to ask you about is what your thoughts were on the Damon Harris signing because I I and I. I'm not sure I've even seen the numbers. I'm I'm not sure if those numbers have been put out yet. Um, I'm really interested to see that. But like, where is your th- where's your head at on that signing? And I really, I mean, listen, it's one of those things where I'm sure Brandon Bean was sick and tired of watching him 
eat this defense alive. And, hey, if you can't beat him, join him. And I really like to sign it because I don't necessarily think he's a one-for-one Singletary flop. I do think they want to see more of, of James Cook this year, and I think rightfully so. But this guy, I think, really provides that first down runner, the um, you know kind of dot-the-I guy that they've been searching for. They, they were hoping Zach Moss would be, but he didn't end up being. What, what's your overall thoughts on the, on the Harris signing? So the number, I think, is out. It's a, it's a one-year 1.7, reportedly, the deal. Well, oh, that's great. You'll love that. You'll love to see that. And honestly, what I think I like about it, too, I really do, do think that it takes the Bills out of, you know, even drafting a running back anyway. Like, I think being is like, I hope so. <laughs> he, he likes to draft running backs. He likes to try to, you know, find, you know, that, that rookie contract. It's hard to blame him on that. I, I get it. Um, utilize that. But it just hasn't been – a super successful part of his strategy. And I think Harris comes in here into a backfield where, okay, you have Naheem Hines too, who is used to being in a backfield where he is not going to be the center of attention. He's going to have to fight for everything that he gets. You got that piece. You have a young player in Cook that you want to try to feature. And then you have a guy in Harris who has kind of been the guy and even at times felt like the guy, even with Ramondre Stevenson there in New England. But I think his just his body breaks down every year. And this is probably a nice situation because he can come into Buffalo and not be asked to carry the ball 150 times before Christmas and keep his body uh, a little bit fresher for when you do need him in the, in the tough winter months. They didn't have yeah, that's right. a toughness factor in their run game late in the season. And that's part of their, their, um, their personality, right, when Sean and Brandon talk about wanting to host playoff games. It's about being tough. It's about making people come into the elements and play. Well, they didn't have a running back that really could execute that style in any of these games. And so I think that's what Harris gives them more than anything. I was really surprised at how, you know, I'd heard things about him from people that have covered him in New England. And, you know, people said that, you know, he's, he's a bit more like reserved, like he'll talk, but, you know, not a lot of emotion, not a lot of, uh, you won't get a lot out of it. Well, I thought in his introductory press conference, I was blown away by how excited he is to be in this situation. I think part of that is going from how crazy is this, Nate, uh, losing organization or the last, you know, most of his career there in New England to a, a team that's won three straight AFC East titles right. and is in the you know Super Bowl window. So that's kind of I think for Bills fans exciting as well. And then last one I want to ask you about Deontay Hardy. Um, in, interesting player, just in terms of I think when he was signed, a lot of people thought. Wow, it seems like kind of a high number for a guy that you know didn't play a lot last year and wasn't really a focal point at any point in his time in New Orleans. But it, I think maybe the conversation is best for, told from you, Matt, about the differences you see in him and Isaiah McKenzie and maybe how he might be a better fit for the role they were looking for Isaiah to fill. Well, I think first and foremost, the number is deceiving, like most of these numbers are, right? It's $5 million guaranteed, and it's a one-year contract. So it's a, it's a prove-it deal. His cap hit this year is $3.8 million. They'll have to eat, I think, about a million and a half, two million in dead cap if they move on after this year. And that's fine for what the upside is for this player. And he's a guy that he wins in a different way than McKenzie. And I think that that's what they probably really liked about this move. He can win down the field, he could stretch the field. The, the run after the catch is actually a nice, um, comp, like, Surefield from Miami and um, Hardy, they're like these this combo, if you will, for how they get their run after the catch. They both offer it. Their numbers are really good in that department, but they do it differently. 
Hardy gets down the field and just blows by guys, where I think Sherfield is a little bit more tough. We saw in that uh, San Francisco game, he can blow by guys too. He has a little bit of that second uh, level speed, but I think that there's a more physical nature to his game. I just think Hardy is, you can do more with him. Brandon Bean talked about him being like, you know, what they call the four tool guy. They can put him at any spot, rely on him. And I just think that there's a suddenness to his game. Now I will say he probably goes for a little bit more had he not dealt with the foot injury last year. And that surgery, uh, our, our good buddy Kyle uh, over at Banged Up Bills, I was talking to him uh, in, in the DMs about him. You know, there's a, there's concern about, you know, guys coming back from that injury. We've seen it, um, you know, the success rate is, is not great. And so there's that question mark. He's younger. Um, you know, you probably figure that as year, the years go on, the science behind the surgeries that these guys get improves. But if he comes back to, you know, close to 100%, and the fact that Bean said that he's been watching him for years, that, if I'm a Bills fan, that puts me at ease because I think Bean has actually a really good track record at receiver. You know, John Brown and Cole Beasley, when he got him, visionary. That was super right. important for Josh right. Allen's development. Then to come back and trade for Diggs when he did. Draft Davis in the fourth. You know, Emmanuel Sanders, for as much as it wasn't this smashing success, he had some really, really good games. And I know everybody is, is still talking on Bills Twitter about – losing Isaiah Hodgins. And so I think he's got a good eye for talent, what's going to fit into his offense around Josh Allen. And I'm sure Ken Dorsey's been uh, a, a loud voice in the room with what he thinks he needs. And I think maybe this is a, a good sign that Ken Dorsey is maybe being a little bit more assertive and aggressive with, okay, this is a little bit more the style of receiver that I want. I know he can do some of that you know, motion stuff that McKenzie does, some of that slant stuff that McKenzie does. But now – you know the crossers and all that but now maybe we can just blow by guys with his speed and when you have all those things that you have to worry about and it's the third option on a team maybe yeah. fourth if they trade for Hopkins right that's really interesting yeah no I I totally agree and I, and I think too like with Hardy is I think he represents the kind of guy that you're you're totally spot on. like the John Brown before the John Brown right like John Brown was a good player but he wasn't considered to be a number one receiver. He came to Buffalo. He became a number one receiver in Buffalo. And that also is a testament to the quarterback. And when you have an elite-level quarterback, he makes guys around you better. But, yeah, I, I, I'm, I may be most interested in what Hardy looks like. Because if you turn on the 2021 tape, it's, it's impressive what he can do after the catch. And um, I'll, I'll be excited to kind of see how Ken Dorsey deploys him in this offense. Matt, I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks for all the insight. As always, enjoy the uh, the nice weather of Phoenix. Uh, I hope you didn't bring your clubs. If you did, do not take any pictures and post them online because uh, I'm your friend and you don't want to hurt my feelings. So I appreciate you, bud. I brought the family out, man. So we're gonna go, we're gonna be doing some uh, some family stuff. Some. Uh... You know, enjoy the weather, some hiking, all that kind of good stuff. Nice. We'll get out there, and I appreciate you, my friend. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.